When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Diane, 11.30 a.m., April 6, entering the podcast Bigfoot Collectors Club. Know the. It's 12 miles northeast of the Pacific Ocean, 131 miles northwest of the border, but you can find it on your favorite podcast app. I've never seen so many Star Wars figures in my life. Usually, this program features stories of high strangeness, cryptids, flying saucers, highlighted by the waning appearances of celebrity guests. But this week, they'll be discussing the pilot episode of Twin Peaks, which originally aired on April 8th, 1990. 32 years ago this week, as a matter of fact. Makes for some damn fine podcasting. Okay, looks like I'll be meeting up with Bryce O. Johnson. He'll be waiting for me at the clubhouse. He's never watched the series until now. Hopefully, after we're finished with this episode, he can give me a look at that Sasquatch that crawled off the railroad tracks on the mountain. Probably check out some other podcasts while I'm here. Just need some clean fun and a reasonably priced monthly Patreon pledge. That's what I need. Clean fun, reasonably priced monthly Patreon pledge. Oh, Diane, I almost forgot. Have to find out what kind of super producers they have around here. They're really something. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bray. We are shaking things up this week and discussing the pilot of Twin Peaks. It's Mm -hmm. all, all happening. It's all part of our attempt to get Bryce to peek at Twin Peaks and watch <laughs> the entire series over the course of 2022. This, uh, of course, entails the pilot, which we watched. So check that off the list. Season one, which is only six episodes long. Seven, if you count the pilot. Uh, season two, which is like 22 episodes. Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. And Twin Peaks, The Return the live series, uh, limited series event that originally shared on O-Time, uh, Showtime. O-Time. Uh, thus, this makes BCC episode 194 our first Bookhouse Boys episode. That's a reference that will make itself clear around episode four. Okay. Now, all right. Great. Now, why are we doing this? Well, basically because Twin Peaks is a giant... We're out of content. (laughs) No, no. we've run out of monsters. This has been something you guys have been asking us to do for a while. It's it's something that I've been bugging Bryce to do. Uh, You know, Twin Peaks is a big avant-garde TV show that features mystery, ultra-terrestrials, demons, dreams, owls, UFOs, haunted woods, uh, shapeshifters, and the Mm. greatest man in black of all time, Kyle MacLachlan. I mean... He technically is an MIB. He is wearing a black suit, uh, playing Agent Dale Cooper. Um, okay. It, it's basically a high strangeness uh, 1950s soap opera set in the 90s. 
through the yeah. lens of David Lynch. Yep. I mean, it's perfect for everything we talk about. It was hard not to like, as I was watching the pilot, I started Googling and it's hard not to get into spoiler territory. I won't. I won't, but I was I was digging the uh, the occult references for yeah, sure. Yeah, and they get more in, like they start coming in soon in season one, and then season two really, which is only like eight episodes in, is off and running. There is a basically there's a scene. This is not really spoiling anything, but there's a scene in the opening of season two that is basically the Woody Darenberger Darenberger. Um, <sighs> Weird. Uh, um uh what's his name um darenberger is, uh woody darenberger from the mothman yes case, but who, uh, injured cold. there's basically injured an injured cold character shows up in season two Dude. and that's <sighs> that's, that's so why weird. i keep pushing you to this bryce because it is yeah. it's really like you know exact it's it's john keel it's a john keel soap opera you know what's so funny i mean i just start like i had an inkling to sort of watch hellier again and uh, which is that great tv show uh by planet weird greg and dana newkirk and and i don't know i was just kind of drawn to it and then immediately I, I knew why i wanted to like research one of the guys in it is a character that can be found in a in, in an old book by alan greenfield called secret cypher the euphonauts but yes and there's this appendix where you know this character is talking about meeting Indrid Cold. So I was just like reading all this stuff, and it's so funny to like. Of course, Twin Pinks, you're gonna come up with synchronicities abound, and they're already starting again. It's just so weird. I love it. And didn't you say that when you you now to be fair, you have watched like the first four or five episodes of the series a couple yeah, of years I, back. That's right. I started Twin Peaks and I think I got to like episode four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that I just stopped due to disinterest. I think I think I just got caught up in my own world and I just I didn't get back to it. But, yeah, uh, I'm dedicated. it's a shame um, because that is you got right to the edge of when the high strangeness really starts to kick in. Right. I, I wasn't pushed over the precipice, huh? No, but 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 like one episode later and you would have been like, holy shit, this is what Michael's been talking about. Got it. Got it. Well, I can already feel I can feel it bubbling. So I'm excited that we're that we're getting into this territory now. Now, Riley, you've Mm -hmm. seen the original series, but not the return, correct? No, I've seen it all. Okay, you've seen all of it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I've watched the original series a couple times. Got it. Got it. Okay, so you and I both know where everything leads. Bryce is a newbie. So so if you're a newbie or you're a seasoned peaker, I don't know if that's what they call themselves, then um, that's what we'll call them. Uh, then, then, then the show applies to you. Now, obviously, Riley and I are not going to get into any spoilers past the episodes that we're covering. Um, you know, so Twin Peaks pilot, we got spoilers going on for that, but we're not going to, we might tease some stuff in the future. Like I just did for season two, but we won't get into any real spoilers because of course there is already from the get go, a central mystery to this series, which is who killed Laura Palmer. And I successfully dodged that spoiler for 40 years or 30 years, (laughs) however long it was. So I'm glad it held off. Do you know good. who the killer is, Bryce? No, I don't. Okay, good. All so. right, because I'm going to ask you at the very end of the episode who you think did it based on the pilot, okay? Oh, shit. Okay. Start thinking about that. Um, oh, my God. 
The other thing about this I just want to say, without Twin Peaks, I think TV obviously wouldn't be what it is today. We certainly wouldn't have The X-Files. We wouldn't have gotten Lost. We definitely wouldn't have gotten True Blood. By the way, Greg Feinberg, one of the producers on True Blood, uh, was a producer on Twin Peaks. And just the stuff with the sheriff station alone, the characters and all of that, and the and the and, and a murder mystery being at the center of season one. There's a lot of Twin Peaks and True Blood. Um, mm. It's a true love letter to the strange, hinting at at, at at and and giving a revealing glimpse to the true nature of reality, while it never fully explains like what what's really going on. But over the course of the series, if you play along, if you watch carefully, I think the answers are all there. Um, so that's it. That's sort of our preface to the pilot. Uh, don't take my word for it, however. We have one more Club Scout, Alan, who who wrote in with why Bryce should peek at Twin Peaks. Riley, why don't you read what, what Alan had to say about the show? Uh, all right. Also in list form. Uh, number <laughs> yes, one. lots of lists, but we appreciate it. <laughs> Good, we got top tens. I yeah, like it keeps it, it easy. <laughs> yeah. Number one, creepy as hell. True. Number two, funny as hell. Number three, alternately creepy as hell and funny <laughs> as hell in the same episode. Okay, good, good. Number four, great mood and setting. Yeah, that's true. Number five, great early performances by now familiar actors. Number six, great performances by veteran actors. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Number seven, plot that keeps you guessing. Very true. Number eight, really intriguing mythology that leaves room for interpretation and discussion. Number nine, you can say shows are like Twin Peaks, but you can't say Twin Peaks is like other shows. <laughs> that's good, yeah. I think that's, a, that's I think that's the best point Alan makes in this list. Yeah, that's totally. It's like when people say something's like Dylan-esque. You know, it's like everybody tries to write songs like Bob Dylan. But I guess Bob Dylan just tried to write songs like Woody Guthrie. But anyways, that's a digression. Number 10. Don't bring your rock and roll history into this, Riley. (laughs) This is television history. More folk history. (laughs) Number 10. Characters you won't forget. Great. Great. Great list. Thank you, Alan. Very good. Uh, But of course, I'm already here. So there's I need no more convincing. I've been... I've been hooked. There's a hook in my mouth. So great, love it. <laughs> Just like uh, uh, Martell trying to fish at the top of the episode of the pilot. <laughs> Look at that tie-in. <laughs> finds uh, instead of finding a body, Laura Palmer's body on the beach, she finds Bryce watching the first episode That's of exactly the pilot right. that his character is in. Um, all right, we're gonna get into it. Before we do, quick club housekeeping, guys. The moment has finally arrived. As you're listening to this. If you've been on Instagram, you have discovered that we have revealed not one, not two, but three new T-shirts added to our merch collection. It's the BCC Records Collection. It's hitting the merch store right now. It's designed by James Maholland. These three shirts celebrate the three BCC house bands, Wolf Brother, BJ and the Shadowbats, and of course, club bryce um <laughs> you gotta check out these designs they're all designed to look like the logos of the bands themselves i think james knocked it out of the park he um certainly did yes i'm very excited for you guys to get your hands on these uh click the link in the episode description of today's show or the link in our bio on instagram at bigfoot collectors club and on twitter at bigfoot pod 
to pick those up. You can also go to wearecampfire.media, smash the shop button, and you'll see the BCC merch there. Um, so go check those shirts out. We're very excited by them. Wolf Brother might be the best shirt we've done, in my humble opinion, although the BJ and the Shadow Bats is also awesome. And of course, you can't well, be Club and, Rice. And of course, yeah, I have a personal affinity for Club <laughs> Rice. I'm like, I, now I need that coffee yeah. cup. That's my, that's you my, have, that's me. You have that's two bands thing. named after you in this podcast. <laughs> BJ and the Shadow Bats and Club Rice. But it's great because cool. it's like Club Rice is like 2001 pop, circa pop, boy band mm-hmm, vibe mm-hmm. to it. And then uh, BJ and the Shadow Bats is sort of like late 70s, early 80s Nashville vibes. And then Wolf Brothers just straight up 80s hair band. So fucking great. Got it covered. I'm excited. Um, support the show by joining our Patreon, BCC, the other side, and receive three bonus episodes every month. You can also upgrade to the extraterrestrial tier, which grants you access to additional weekly cosmic tracks pulled from the archives by Riley. And finally, yes, Riley? No, I just said that's right. That's right. Finally, yes. you can be a five-star club scout when you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, like this one Bryce will read. Sedge underscore 18 writes, no brainer, easiest five-star review ever. Keep up the good work, guys. Check out the 1969 Berkshire UFO mass sighting slash abductions. It's the OG Phoenix Lights. Five stars. Nice. Yes. Thank you. You know what? I love this idea of slipping in a recommendation for us in the five-star reviews. If there's something <laughs> you want to get it done. That, that's one way we'll see it for sure. So uh, get in there. Yeah, I see Bryce I on the Google Doc right list. now highlighting. I'm copy. highlighting it. I'm like, <laughs> I need content. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying no, to figure. I think yeah, go on. Have you I heard was about say, this? That might already be on my possible episodes list. I'm going to look right now. Is this the one that they did? They covered on the new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix in the first season. Did they do this one? Because I know whichever um, story that was. I think it was on the. Uh, it was like uh, New England, and we hadn't covered yeah, it yet. I, still have. I feel like I've I've researched this a little bit before. Okay, so I'm on my possible episodes uh, list right here, and. Uh, Let's see, Black Knight Satellite? No. UFO over Temple Mount? No, no, not that. Um, oh, you got to do that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's not on here. All That's right. so strange. All right. Add it to the list. Right Thanks, Sedge underscore Boom. 18. Guys, give us a five-star review. Berkshire UFO mass. Okay. Boom. Let's do it. Um, oh, I guess it is the mass, not Massachusetts, like mass, mass sighting. UFO. Yeah, got no, it. Mass sighting. Okay. Uh, I see what my brain did there. Okay. All right. I thought it would be fun to kick off this Twin Peaks episode by reading from an article about some of the strange and mysterious places in the Pacific Northwest. Kind of set the mood a little bit. All right. You ready? Cue that music, Riley, because we have some light. news. Now, I say it's light because this is really more of a sort of featured article uh, last updated uh, in January of this year from a website called That Oregon Life. 
Um, so I pulled a couple examples from their article, 12 Haunted Trails in the Pacific Northwest, where horror lurk. If you want to read the whole list, you can check it out in the links in uh, the episode show notes. But here are a couple that I thought were cool and wondering if you guys had ever heard of. And this is sort of geared towards like, if you want to be a hiker that maybe doesn't make it through the woods, check out these places. <laughs> this is like a real... If you're looking to go on a solo journey and not come back, <laughs> yeah. I recommend these hiking trails. Yeah. Yes, it's very 411, I have to say. Um, the first one is Mahler Butte in Mahler County, Oregon. And it says, Mahler Butte is a dead volcano said also to also be a former meeting spot for a powerful coven of witches. Mm-hmm. Locals mm-hmm. here are convinced the witches will return and have left their shadows behind to protect the land. Does that ring any bells, Bryce? Yeah, fucking A. Uh, folks have also reported seeing menacing apparitions that resemble small dogs in the area. One woman was chased off the grounds by a shadowy creature. She said, what I saw is something I never wish to see again in my life. My boyfriend and I were in the car just talking and all of a sudden you could hear a bone creaking sound and see a shadow that seemed to just move closer and closer. It looked like it had skinny legs, a big head and was on all fours, but it didn't seem to want to attack. It was just moving closer and standing there, but it had no eyes. Hmm. Hikers and visitors have even claimed to have been chased away by menacing shadows that screech. Oh, okay. Wow. Screeching shadows. Yeah. Screeching shadows. That's, uh, I mean, that is obviously an album. That's like the box set <laughs> collection of BJ and the Shadow Bats. That's like the ultimate box concert yeah. DVD box set. Um, the name Malheur or Malheur even translates directly in French as evil hour. Yikes. Evil hour, yeah. yeah the Malheur. So, the Malheur. Um, any chance you guys would want to maybe take a remote trip up to Screeching Shadows, Evil Witches uh, hiking trail? Down, 100%. Let's I'd go it. with you boys, yeah, for sure. I think it's I think it's long overdue that we start seeing some shit. I know. Yeah. I agree. Um, here's another one. North Creek Trail from Tyron Creek State Park in Oregon. Tyron Tryon Creek State Natural Area, Portland's only state park within a city, is located in the middle of the tri- trail of t- Tryon Creek. Well, sorry. A nearly five-mile tributary of the Willamette River. The fresh-cut lumber, very Twin Peaks, may seem normal, especially for Oregon. However, the last time the area was majorly logged was in the late 1800s. But logging can't be done without manpower or ghost power. People have been reporting, uh, hearing the sound of horses whinnying and disembodied voices of men talking, specifically on the North Creek Trailhead. It's believed to be haunted by the ghosts of men who worked as loggers in the area at the turn of the century. If you dare, take this hike and listen closely. You might just hear the ghosts of loggers past. Mm, Okay. I like the idea also of like phantom smells of freshly cut wood, you know, but there's no wood being cut. Sounds very time portally, maybe. Maybe the the veil of between timelines is very thin. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's like a union of ghost loggers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably weren't unionized back then. 
Sign up, guys. We got to haunt this place in 100 years. What do you say? (laughs) I'm on my 15-year break. Uh, I'll be back. All right. The Ho River Trail in Olympic National Forest, Washington. We're getting real close to Twin Peaks here. And the land of Sasquatch, sightings and Twilight vampire fame. There may also be a cult of satanic worshipers lurking in this pristine Washington rainforest. As recently as the 1970s, there have been reports of goat-looking men wearing dark robes with hooves for feet. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's no, just a straight-up devil. Yeah, I don't need that shit in my life. Some oh, even man. believe Lucifer's on, minions <laughs> here on Everybody Earth are... A goat and goat man? You know. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with a little goat man? Come on. It might be like Mr. Tumnus. Maybe he's just going to offer you some Turkish delight. Um, mm. But uh, Lucifer's minions here on Earth are somewhere on the hoe. Keep your eyes peeled for six foot, eight inch shaggy creatures and sparkly vampires mm. with red eyes, of course. Yes. Ha ha ha. You guys, uh, I'm six, eight and shaggy. Pretty shaggy. Not as shaggy as you used to be, but pretty, pretty shaggy. You're getting I'm, shaggy. I'm, I'm, You're getting the shaggy I'm, I'm back. I'm shagging up. Yeah. I'm shagging up these days. You're bringing, bringing shaggy back. I'm getting my you got, shag You got back. sparkly vampire vibes. I, I yeah, feel that. Uh, we have I just these. a couple more. Camp Moore, Muir. Moyer? Mount Rainier National Park, Washington. All right. So we're getting to the location of like the original flying saucer sighting. It seems almost yearly there is a death here attributed to a fall by a climber, uh, and some of these bodies have never been recovered. The views here are incredible, and the trek to Camp Muir is exhilarating, but it's a hike not to be taken lightly. The weather can change unexpectedly, and it's definitely considered more of a dangerous hike. Back in 1970, pioneers Hazard Stevens and Philemon Van Trump were determined to climb the mountain, Their uh, guides refused to take them no further than the Timberline, thinking they were crazy to even attempt it. According to the book Haunted Hikes, Spine-Tingling Tales and Trails from North America's National Parks, the mountain's personality, according to their mythology, was that of a disgruntled, scorned wife who sucked people into her cave-like stomach and devoured them. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. Not a personality of a mountain you want to run into. No. Yeah. And I I picked that one because, as we'll see in Twin Peaks, the woods definitely seem to have a conscious personality in this series. Right. And this really right. kind of reminded me of the show. Finally, I like this one. Yeah. It comes with a Bigfoot photograph that we'll post. Silver Star Mountain in South Cascades, Washington. The road up Silver Star Mountain isn't easy, and accessing the scenic views is tough. Several hikers have reported brief sightings of a large creature in the woods. Could it be Sasquatch? There are said to have been constant sightings here. In November of 2005, a hiker even got a picture of Sasquatch on the Silver Star. Bryce, do you want to read that? I didn't highlight it for you, but check that quote. Check this quote out by Randy Chase. Here we go. And I'm zooming in on these pictures. I really love them. Uh, Quote, on November 17th, 2005, I was looking to the south from the summit of Silver Star Mountain. On the ridge across from me, I saw something I thought looked a little strange. So I got out my camera and took some pictures. Right after I took the first shot, it moved or stood up and I took another picture. It then moved toward the south, away from me. I had to readjust because the wind was so strong and it was difficult to move because the snow was waist deep. I got closer to a rock to steady myself and took another picture. By then, it was moving down the hill. I don't think it was another backpacker or snowshoer, signed Randy 
chase. And yes, I'm looking at these three photos and I mean, describe the photos for us, Bryce. Well, talk about the silhouette of a Bigfoot. I mean, you could see what he's talking about as it stands up. The first, you just see shoulders and head. And then the second picture, it gets taller. And that third one, I mean, you could start to see the waistline and the legs. And, and the arms looks, dangling down. The arms dangling what looks like below the knees. And it sort of has that, uh, you know, that, uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, my God. I'm The, the sagittal the crest? Shape, sagittal crest. Can you believe that I pulled that out? That is... That is the term I learned from Bryce Johnson. <laughs> yeah, but it, this looks like a Bigfoot silhouette, man. A pretty incredible picture. Yeah, a series of pictures, actually. They're great. Yes, series of pictures. I'll yeah. throw those up on the Instagram so our listeners can check that out. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick little break now that the mood's set. We're going to maybe hear a commercial, and then we'll come back, and we're going to be speaking Twin Peaks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, Diane, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Bigfoot Collectors Club is going to talk the pilot of Twin Peaks. All right, Club Scouts, as a reminder, we watched the pilot, Northwest Passage, and it depends on where you're watching this, but it's not to be confused with Season 1, Episode 1, which is technically the second episode. Um, I When I tried to watch Twin Peaks for the first time a number of years ago, the pilot itself, because it was caught up in rights issues, I don't know if you guys knew about this, was not available on the original DVD set. So oh, no. Yeah, so like I ordered it old school through the mail and Netflix, and I got it, and I was like, wait, I missed the whole first episode of this series. I think there was like a music issue, or, you know, because there's some live music in there. I don't know what happened, but you couldn't for the longest time get the pilot on DVD. So that's huh. why I actually waited so long to watch the series because I kind of like kicked the can down the road till all of it was available. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so we're, we're watching the Northwest Passage, the pilot, uh, which, by the way, Northwest Passage was the original title for Twin Peaks. And it was going to take place in South Dakota, but then they changed it to uh, there after they found out there was a real town called Northwest Passage. They turned changed it into twin peaks mm, i'm glad uh, they did i like i like the title twin peaks i think it's yes and it, and it looks great in that neon square rectangular font that i love so much in the opening we'll talk about the opening credits here in a minute but yeah those are that's what vibe yeah yeah i just don't think it would have the same impact if it was called northwest passage and it gives the town a like physical monument you know what i mean mm-hmm, a natural mm-hmm. land monument which i like too and it also uh made it uh, possible to open a horny midwestern chain for dirtbags to go e- eat us uh, i guess scottish food what is the twin peaks chain served for everyone's in kilts <laughs> are you serious is that true 
Yeah, there's like a there's like a Hooters called Twin Peaks, where the 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 servers wear like short kilts. It's, are, oh. are the servers like mostly are, are like guy servers in no, kilts? No, they're women. They're women. women in kilts. Right. It's a it's Hooters ripoff, but it's called Twin Peaks. Get it? Wow. Okay. Great. Okay. We're not discussing <laughs> that Twin Peaks on the show. I, I mean, point. my mind is reeling. Yeah. I mean, can Google we it. Google gears? Twin can Peaks we, restaurant. Yeah, find I'm out. Have, I'm, I'm doing. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like. It's it, it it also does have like a Twin Peaks vibe about it. I think it's sort of log cabiny. I don't right. know how they've gotten away with that. <laughs> Twin Peaks restaurant near me? No, no. I'll just go images, please. <laughs> um, oh yeah, <laughs> right, right. Oh, you're right. Look yeah. at that. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, cool. He's just gonna leave that up on uh, that window open <laughs> for the rest of the episode. Research. Not, <laughs> not getting Bryce's attention for the next. 30 minutes i don't know why i did that i, re- I remember uh, so on our instagram feed on bigfoot collectors club early on uh you know when you sort of go through the search bar and it pulls up it, the algorithm pulls up random images i remember like michael was like who's been looking at girls in bikinis and guys with muscles on this instagram i was kind of like mm, guilty <laughs> actually you the first thing you said was wasn't me oh right 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 well hard to hard to deny that you didn't admit it till uh, years later. Yeah, it was like, it was like Instagram models ripped dudes in like creatine. Like that's oh what was. <laughs> I was going through a phase in my life. <laughs> um, I will. I just wanted to note that future discussions of the series will likely take place on the other side. Um, so this is probably going to be the only main feed or free feed episode fully devoted to Twin Peaks. But of course, it'll come up again as we talk about it. Um, and like I said, we're going to shy away from future spoilers as Bryce hasn't seen the full series yet, but anything from the current episode is on the table. So if you haven't watched the pilot, this is your official spoiler warning. Uh, you can get it on Amazon prime. If you have a subscription, Apple TV plus you can rent it. It's out there. Go find it, go watch it. If you want to watch it, watch it now and come back and listen to the rest of this. Okay. Guys. I went to some of the ancillary material uh, of the show. I picked up a book that was uh, on my shelf, gifted to me from my buddy Neil for my birthday a couple years back. This is Welcome to Twin Peaks. This is sort of a town guide written, I believe, by Mark Frost and was published oh. in 1991. And it's made to look like one of those like skinny map town guides you pull out at you know, like a motel when you're on a road trip. Oh, how fun. Yeah, and it's got all this backstory to the town of Twin Peaks. So I pulled a couple peak facts that I thought might be fun for some of the backstory um, and some some facts about the city of Twin Peaks. Yeah, I'm very interested in this this guy, Mark Frost, too. Yes, like who, you should who co-wrote, be. Who co-wrote uh, Twin Peaks with David Lynch. Is Doing a little research, I found out he's sort of the... Uh, well, a lot of the occult driver of uh, of some of these plots and themes. But, I think uh, so, too. That's why I recommend people watch all the way through season two, even though like David Lynch leaves from most of season two and then comes back at the end, because a lot of the occult stuff really picks up in that second half of season two. And I think, it, you know, I think it is. I think like Mark Frost, you know, they talk about. Mount Rainier and Kenneth Arnold in the secret history of Twin Peaks, which canonically doesn't take place until in between the series. Um, But it's clear that he knows 
all of this stuff. Like he's a guy that we yeah. should try to get on the podcast. Well, from what honestly. from what I understand, from what I understand, he's a theosophist and uh, you know interested in all those sort of occult uh, writings of like Alice Bailey and Hel- Helena Blavatsky, and so he's yeah. into all this shit big time. So yeah, uh, and UFOs and stuff. Sense. Yeah. For sure. Um. So here we go. Here's some peak facts that I pulled I, uh, from the book Welcome to Twin Peaks. Okay, so the town of Twin Peaks, Washington, is located five miles south of the Canadian border and 12 miles west of the state line. Despite what it says on the town sign in the opening credits, the population of Twin Peaks, according to the 1990 census, the year after the pilot takes place, was 5,120.1, not 51,201. Mm-hmm. Once a dingy little trading post, Twin Peaks was brought to prominence by James Packard, who settled in the area along with his wife, Ungwin, in 1890 and built the Packard Mill, a main location in the show featured prominently in the opening credits. The Packard Mill compete, competed with another mill in the area run by Rudolph Martell, a businessman from St. Louis who was haunted by bad luck. Bad luck that would haunt his entire lineage after he died. A third prominent dynasty was formed by wealthy mercantilist Orville Horn, who settled near Black Lake and established the Horn General Store. As the Horn family prospered, Orville's son, Ben, built the Great Northern Hotel in 1927, another main location in the TV show. Eventually, the Martells lost out to the Packards, leaving Packard Mill as the centerpiece of industrialism in Twin Peaks. But their descendants still live and work in the area during the time period of the pilot. Other points of interest in Twin Peaks include Big Ed's Gas Farm, the Double R Diner, home of the best damn pie you'll ever get your hands on, the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Station, and the Owl Cave, a Neolithic site once used by the Flathead Tribe, a site believed to have been touched by, quote, the beyond, end okay, quote. great. Love it. That's just a little bit of local uh, set dressing. It's time. Let's get into the pilot. Um, Twin Peaks, mystery horror serial drama, television series created by Mark Frost and David Lynch, directed by David Lynch, premiered on ABC on April 8th, 1990, and started off as a huge hit, and then it was canceled at the end of its second season. So this thing was like a cultural phenomenon and then bombed in season Man, two. It's crazy. That's, that's much like lot- uh, my my breakout show popular. We had uh, only two seasons, won the Teen Choice Out breakout show for season two and then was canceled. So I wonder, uh, I wonder if Twin Peaks won the Teen Choice Awards. It could have been. I'll have, I'm going to have to look into that. But I, I'm really relating to this canceled too early thing. Well, it's crazy because they a lot of what they say happened was the central mystery, which kicks off the pilot, uh, who killed Laura Palmer. The the network really pushed Frost and Lynch and basically came down hard to say in season two, they were like, you got to wrap this up. We got to because TV long form television like this did not have did not exist at the time. Right. Cable premium cable shows were really not a thing. You basically had ABC, CBS, NBC. Fox was just starting out. The Simpsons was on there. Married with Children, but most of the nighttime shows were real soap operas like Dynasty and you know and like Crest. all of, yeah, yeah all that stuff. 
and Hill Street Blues, which Mark Frost wrote on, which my dad watched. I remember growing up in the 80s. You know, so there were like these period, they were they were like the procedurals, but there wasn't we it's really hard to imagine now, but these long format high weird dramas did not exist on TV until Twin Peaks. And it was this thing where basically what Mark Frost and David Lynch did was they brought filmmaking to television for the first time, really for the first time. They, sh- they treated it like a movie. They shot it like a movie. Um, and, and, and it really is the pilot could stand along any of David Lynch's uh, movies, I think, you know, mm. um, and David Lynch even said, uh, this is a quote from him. I see it as a film. Instead of going on a truck to a theater, it goes on a truck to a TV. Um, which is such a, you know, fun quote. Right. right. <laughs> like the idea of loading film on a truck and sending yeah, it uh, somewhere. Into a television. It's great. Yeah. Um, but it did. It basically invented event television. Uh, and the thing that the, the thing that the network got wrong and first of all, ABC, like Bob Iger was the head of ABC at the time. Bob Iger, who would go on to like buy Marvel, you know, be the CEO of Disney and buy Marvel and buy Lucasfilm and bring all of that stuff into Disney. He They pitched a show um, and Iger liked it and loved the finished product. He had a fight tooth and nail to get this thing on the air. Mm. And the network, because the network was like, people are going to get this. Critics are going to hate it. This is too weird for us. And one of the things they did is they pushed Frost and uh, and Lynch to to wrap up the Laura Palmer Palmer mystery about eight episodes into season two. Which what they wanted to do was have that be a mystery that lasted in the background for the entire series. You know, right. and they sort of had a as their master arc. And of course, what happened was they caved, they they wrapped it up. David Lynch basically quit the show after that. And then the ratings dropped because people were like, okay, I'm done. And that central mystery just ended too, too soon. Yeah. It's like in Moonlighting when Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard finally hooked up, the show yes. was over at that point. Yes. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. Um, now, I will say... That okay, that I just does... totally aged myself there. No, no, no. That's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. I mean, I think people know. I talked about Hill Street Blues five minutes ago. <laughs> right, right. People are like, Bruce Willis had a TV show? What is this guy talking we're, about? We're not kidding. <laughs> we're not kidding about it. Uh, you know, we're like, we're, we can't, we're not kidding anybody how old we are. Don't worry, yeah. everyone. That's why we have Riley. He's cool and hip. <laughs> I don't know what shows they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But, uh, yeah, so basically, like, that's exactly what happened. And But I will say that for me, I don't think solving that mystery ruins the, ruins the canon, ruins the mythology. I think it only actually makes it richer in the long run. Cool. And they come back to the Laura Palmer mystery as a central theme in, in Firewalk With Me and in Twin Peaks to return. So Great. don't let that discourage you from watching the series is all I'm saying. Um, Riley, how, so you were speaking of young, you were a baby when this came out. Were you alive when Twin Peaks aired in 1989, 90, 91? Yeah, I was a little, a little one. Yeah. Do you have any memory of the show being on TV, being a thing? No, 
none whatsoever. Okay. Um, I, yeah, definitely I was do. A, and it was a wild, but when did you find it? I was introduced to the show by, uh, it was, I, I watched it while I was recovering from surgery. Uh, so I was all uh, on painkillers, which also made it really great. Um, so I was just, uh, I watched it all in kind of like one week. And this was in my late twenties, I would say. Okay. So I came, I came to this. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm not that young. Um, I came to it pretty, uh, much, much later. I, I sort of was aware of its existence and I was getting into David Lynch at the time and watching his movies. And so this was, you know, the, the obvious next step. So I watched it in one, uh, painkiller fueled weekend honestly the perfect way to see this yeah it really was lynchian on its own (laughs) exactly the pillowy sort of music and i'm just like floating in a bed and you know it was great and uh, yeah i was just like immediately hooked and then ever since then i've there's certain people in my life that have like never seen twin peaks i'm like all right we're gonna sit down we're gonna watch the whole thing so i i I think i've seen it like three times now oh wow yeah yeah I watched the pilot twice this month. I watched it on February 24th, which was the quote unquote 32nd anniversary of Laura Palmer's death because she dies on February 24th, 1989 in the pilot. That's when they find her body. And um, so I just watched it this week again. So I think this is the fifth time I've seen the pilot now. And (laughs) yeah, but I love it. I, I find new shit every time. And the thing that's, amazing that you know maybe bryce once you've watched it all if you go back and revisit the pilot there's all these things that seem to be sort of offhanded moments that become sort of recurring themes in the entire series all the way up Mm. until the 2017 series where you're like oh wow it's in the pilot the dna is in the pilot and i didn't even pick up on it you know so there's fun stuff like that yeah Um, watching it again for the second time i mean there was i feel like there was a lot of stuff i missed the first time around so what jumped out at you (laughs) during this watch in particular Uh, well in particular okay we're getting into spoiler alert, alert territory but that there was like some illicit connection between like Ronette and uh, Laura Palmer's character and, and, and the sex trade. And, and perhaps uh, I forgot, I forgot about that letter that they found under her, yeah. finger, that there was a serial uh, killer slash perhaps rapist uh, on the loose, that there was yes. some illicit sex ring circle happening in this, in this town. So, yes. And we hear that we find out that agent Cooper played by Kyle McLaughlin, who comes in, Almost, I think, 35 minutes into the pilot. It's Mm, a late mm -hmm. debut for a lead character. That just shows you how much time they set up the town and you meet all the town characters before they bring in an outsider, which I think is really smart. You know what I mean? I think if you brought him in right away, which I feel like a lot of TV shows would bring him in right after the cold open. Oh, no, it did. It did feel like a little dinner theater style. Like this is this character. And then now we're on another set and. Here yeah. comes Grandma and Grandpa, and we're going to get to know them. And yeah, because you meet you meet uh, the Palmers, Laura's parents. You meet the sheriff. You meet Lucy and Sheriff Harry S. Truman, which is such right. a great name. For, I love yeah. I love that <laughs> yeah. name for a character. You meet Donna Hayward, Donna's father, Doctor Hayward. You meet Donna. You meet James. You meet Bobby. You meet Shelley. Like you meet every. You meet um, 
Nora at the Double R Diner and Shelly. Right. You get this whole tour of the town, which is like really pretty fast. Martell's. Uh, who are and Josie Packard, who are the you know the, the the remnants of the of the the Packard Mill dynasties. Now those two families are married to each other, which is fascinating. If you know the backstory of that sort of like this Romeo and Juliet backstory of the two warring families, um, and it does this also this great thing of like show you how Laura had an impact on everybody in town. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Which does two brilliant things. One, it shows that she was super popular and that everybody loved her. Everyone seemed to have an emotional connection to her. So many people are crying, inclu- including the principal when he's making the announcement uh, about Laura, which is a great scene. <laughs> and, it's, it's great because on one hand, you're like, oh, my God, everyone knew who Laura Palmer was. Everyone thought she was an angel. But that also means that anyone in town could have been a, is a suspect because they all have an emotional connection to Laura. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. So it's a brilliant little way of explaining who this dead girl was and that she literally impacted everybody in town. So every anyone might have a motive to kill her. Um. Or it might be a serial killer, uh, as Agent Cooper points out. You know, he talks about that there was a girl, Teresa Palmer, on a case that he was working on uh, that we find out more about later. And that's all I'll say. Um, Yeah, right, right. uh, Let's talk about the opening credit sequence, which I can never skip through. I have to watch every single time. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I mean, it's... That theme is like so iconic, and I just i I want to hear it through every time. The uh, and I, I was I've always thought it's funny too. Like the the music in this is is actually quite optimistic and kind of bright. Oh, interesting! Like the, Talk about that. The, well, like the lift, you know, the like in like the Laura Palmer theme. Yeah exactly it's like it's a it goes like unexpectedly major there and it's really uh it has a lot of hope in it which i think is interesting but then tonally it's like this sort of like very dark moody thing and then the way it kind of like turn it makes a hard corner and it turns back down into this like minor sort of sad bit and it's just like i mean it's just um it's just a beautiful piece of music i love it so much and there's the story of um you know um Angelo uh, Badalamenti was like with David Lynch and he was just sitting at the piano playing it. And then David was just like, that's it. That's it. Don't change a note. Like, and then they, he, you know, went and fleshed it out from there, but it's like, he would just, David would just sit with him and he would sort of talk and tell him about, all right, Laura Palmer in this town and whatever. And then Angelo would just play what, you know, what he was being described. And that's how they came up with the music. And Much like how a, you do, uh, used to do our high strangeness episodes at the clubhouse. That was the whole idea. <laughs> That's great, Riley. Don't change a thing. Don't change it up. You've got it, old boy. I've also been yeah. paying particular attention to. Oh, I also, on that note, uh, no pun intended. I, I, I think it's safe to say that this is the only TV show that I own a vinyl record for the music, and I oh, play wow. on the regular base on a regular basis. That's, that's awesome. Cool. I mean, yeah, there's so many good uh that that's themes and like cues in this where it's, it's like recurring themes uh throughout the show that I really 
that's one of the things I really love about the way this score works is that the music is kind of like a character. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Uh, it's a real storytelling device, and we'll 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 see that play out. In particular, I would say as a hint, as a clue, pay attention to the theme where we first uh, meet Audrey Horn. The doom 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 jazzy that jazzy thing. There's there's a really clever thing they do with that piece of music throughout the series. And and there's a deeper meaning, I think, now watching it through a second time between particularly that piece of music and what's going on with Audrey in in the show, which we can't really get into in the pilot. But I just want I want I want our listeners to pay attention to that. Is is she a dope smoker like those jazz musicians? (laughs) Yeah, She's smoking jazz cigarettes. (laughs) I, but I just see it's interesting where that comes every time that song is played when it's there's a big scene that comes up later where it's played again and you're like okay this might be this song in particular might actually have a deeper meaning in this world let alone just to us watching the show at home um but I was. But then, yeah, it, yeah. Back to the intro, though, because I we I took it off on a music tangent. But also the the visuals of yes. the intro are so compelling, and uh, the way it's like you know it's showing these blades being sharpened. That's a lot of the intro is that, and so it's like it's it, it's hinting at this violence and this sort of a uh, this mechanical violence, this like you know this uh, powerful, frightening machine. But it's like, but it's not. Like actually, actually, I mean, it, 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 in a way, it is like a violence against the environment. But we, you know, we. I think so. I th- absolutely, a, yes, absolutely, multi-layered thing that he's doing or they're doing. Uh, the group of people that made it, um, and it's. Uh, I think it's a uh, really effective, and it it um, it sh- it plays into the tone of this show, where there's this sort of like underlying menace, sort of the whole time, but it's never really super overt. And I think that that's just like such a perfect image along with the music that's going to to, to set that mood immediately. Well, the I think you're totally right. And I've really been like clue this past watch. I clued in on the opening shots. And the first thing you get is a bird, which is a varied thrush. And it's a common bird in the Pacific Northwest. So you see this like really beautiful little bird. And then it's literally crossfaded with these two giant industrial smokestacks that literally overlay the bird and then replace the shot of the bird. So mm-hmm. right away, you're you're like, okay, man has trespassed on this forest and it has started to pollute these this area, right? And then right. you get that violent machines and you get this like really masculine presence, especially with those two like giant smokestacks. It's a phallic symbol. And then what happens is once you get past the machines, it starts cutting to the, the the waters and the waterfall, which I think is this really feminine symbol. You know what I mean? So you have a bird, which I think is like sort of also alluding to the birds and the bees. You have these phallic symbols. You have this like destruction of nature, the destruction of land. And then it cuts to like these raging waters this sort of feminine symbolism so you have like sex in there right away too you know and this idea of also forceful sex as well if you want to look at chopping down trees and the destruction of nature is that you know as an assault Mm -hmm. which ties into this murder that's happened you know um exactly 
Yeah. Damn. And all, I mean, that from is... the, all that from the fucking title sequence, man. Yeah. Well, but that, <laughs> you I mean, you that's got that what... from some logs and saws, man. I don't know. <laughs> but I Violent think that's why. Sex. I love it. Well, but, that, but I think that's why this is like, this is what happens when you get a filmmaker making TV. Like, it really. Yeah. You can really be a film nerd about it and talk about what story the opening credits itself is is telling. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know it's such a nerdy thing to talk about, but um, let's. That brings us to uh, Laura's body, which is maybe one of the most iconic images I think in television history. Her cold, dead body wrapped in plastic with like pebbles stuck to her face that almost look like glitter or sequence. Um, it's a, it's a great image. It's super dark, but it's also beautiful at the same time. And like, she is sort of wrapped up in plastic and looks like a bride as opposed to a corpse. Wouldn't you guys think there's something there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. There did, it, it did seem like very sort of, uh, angelic in a sense, uh, for for a dead person. Yeah. So. It's they, they choose as gruesome as the moment is the corpse is not, we don't see the mutilation of, of the corpse. So however it might be, you know what I mean? It's, it's really like this little in a, in a dark way it's she's like wrapped up like a, a bride or like a gift you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i wonder that's again the violence the violence is sort of implied it's not shown yeah you, know, so you really only see her face and yeah throughout like, the whole peaceful. thing you're sort of protected in a way and left it's really left to the imagination it's also one of those things where like they 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 cut to the um I'm thinking of this now how they keep cutting to the image of her as like the homecoming queen or the prom queen that portrait the one portrait yeah wearing the tiara yeah. and the sequence in the tiara it's almost as if those jewels are implanted in her cheeks when you see her body you know what i mean so i think those are two mirror images the image of her as the prom queen and then the Im- homecoming queen and then the image of her as the corpse they they're like two sides of the same coin Hmm. that's interesting i just i just think of how many dive bars across this country i've seen that portrait of laura palmer hanging <laughs> totally. up on a wall somewhere oh really oh no way oh, yeah. all, all the time it's a great little nod that you're like okay cool all right good i like this place it would look really good on your mantle you know just casually sitting on your mantle at home yeah yeah exactly um anything else in the moment of finding her body i do love that like to the reaction from Harry Truman and then Dewey crying. Like everyone is like, you get the sense of how important this girl was and that everybody knew her in just that little physical moment when they overturn her body. Yeah. Well, and also that it's like a, you know, a, a quiet kind of peaceful town, you know, and like Sheriff, Sheriff Truman, you know, he's like, is this going to happen every time? Cause it's like, uh, this is the second, second body that, uh, what's the deputy's name? I'm Andy. Dewey. I think it's Andy, Andy. right? Andy. Yeah. Sorry. Why Dewey is uh, a scream. Sorry. Everyone's yeah, yeah, screaming yeah. at me. That's why you said Dewey. I was like, I don't remember being Dewey. Yeah, no, yeah this Andy, is the second Andy. body Andy's seen and he's crying. It's just yeah. like, there's an innocence and a peacefulness to the the town that has now been disturbed by later later the uh the girl places. who works at the police station, I she says a line to it. It might be because Andy is over caffeinated. <laughs> of why he's of why he's crying all the time. So he, she was like, yeah. and maybe give Andy some decaf. He's been very emotional lately or something like that. So 
she's consistently Lucy. such a good yeah she's great yeah Lucy series. that was it so yeah I think you bring up a good point because I think one of the themes is that you know Twin Peaks seems to be this town that isn't infringed upon by current time you know what I mean it mm-hmm. seems to be surviving on its own hence Cooper's fascination when he goes there he's like what is this place you know what I mean and it mm-hmm. does have a timeless feel to it. It does feel like this show could take place in the 1950s just as easily as it is the 1990s. Yeah. And I think there are towns like that when you drive through the Pacific Northwest specifically, but other places too where it feels like – there's even places in the valley in L.A. where it feels like that, where it's kind of like time stopped. Mm-hmm. And just sort of – these they just exist in these sort of like liminal, timeless spaces, you know, and I – but especially like a kind of cut off mountain town like that yeah just it's it's a it's a nice place for a story like this because it's yeah it's separate and it's timeless and it's just sort of is you know did anybody notice um i've posted this on my instagram every year that i watch the pilot but the 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 dancing guy in the background in the high school scene when they're all there when donna uh is at her locker and then this How guy <laughs> bryce do you know what i'm talking about no i missed no there's no, this I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll send it to you uh, after we record. But there's this brilliant shot of everyone's talking at their lockers. They close their lockers. They walk off, and this dude in the background, he's just a background actor, shuts his locker and then does this little tr- spin on his heels, and then shimmies off doing sort of like the sidewinder with his <laughs> with his arms. And it's just this oh, yeah. random shot, and it's my mm-hmm. favorite moment in the entire pilot. Oh, that's funny. I- I just love picturing that happening on set because you know David Lynch was just like, let's try that again. You that you in the back, try a dance this time. Yeah. You know, just like, and then they just like, there it is. Like, I wasn't a very good Lynch, but you know what I mean? It was good. It was uh, good. Just, we got it. We got I it. I just picture, I really just pick, because I know that he likes to just sort of like find things in the moment just from reading interviews of his books. And yeah. Stuff. Um, I, I could just see that happening where he's like, it just like, he, they finished that shot. And he's like, ah, it feels flat. I don't know. Something's not right. And then just like throw in that little absurdist kind of thing. But also like, wasn't there that kid in everyone's high school? The like kind of weird <laughs> yes. kid that just dances alone in the hallway. Like yes, it's just like uh, Yes, there was. And his name was Michael Charles McMillan. <laughs> <laughs> it almost makes it more real. You know what I mean? In a way, even though it's like completely ridiculous. It's just like these little these little nods. Yes. Of, and sure. also I have to go back and find that guy. Oh my god, it's so funny. And also that just like there's an undercurrent to this town that's a little strange that's a little off there's some there's yeah. some energy around here that's making everyone a little quirky or a little more heightened this mm-hmm. does i have described the show as like maybe even to you bryce on the podcast but it does feel like i think even one of the early reviews said that this is like a tv show from another world and i do feel like sometimes watching the show that we're watching a primetime television soap opera from a parallel dimension yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that it's like someone like went into another time stream and pulled this over and they're like look how things are just slightly weirder in this universe and it is it's it's still recognizable but but something is weird it's very dreamlike in that sense yeah Yeah, no it's it's soapy for sure uh but i'm kind of digging that now i'm in a vibe to like uh, I, I like the vibe they've set, it's, you know, so uh, I don't mind it. 
Yeah, somebody wrote in, um, uh, a listener, Dave, uh, wrote into our Patreon and said that, uh, he said, I've just started rewatching Twin Peaks. My God, I'd forgotten how horrible the acting was. Some of it would make the village Amdram, which I don't know what that group cringe. I don't know what that's a reference to, but, um, I don't know. Do you think the acting is bad in this show? Yeah. It's soapy there, for sure. Yeah. There's yeah. some moments that are overblown, like, especially from, from Bobby, uh, like all the Bobby. characters uh, go big. They, they're they not afraid to like, well, I, you know, keeping it really small is like a modern sort of thing in, in film and television, you know, maybe back then things could get a little big. Like when I'm upset, I open my mouth really big and do this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's like a lot of that, you know, but uh, it works. But it- but it's all can I find that it's all consistent with the tone of melodrama that 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 that's like is, is yeah, it's melodramatic. For. That's the perfect word for. for but I don't think it's bad. Words. I actually disagree with Dave. I think, for example, Grace Zabriskie, who plays Laura's mother, is giving a fucking Emmy winning Emmy worthy performance in this. Just all the like Greek drama she has to do with like screaming and crying. You oh know, my the God. Scene she- well, that's, Oh my, why am I blanking on her name? Um, Grace Zabriskie. Yeah, yeah. No, the actress. Yeah. Grace Zabriskie. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, that she was played, Laura Palmer's she, mom. Yeah. She plays, she's in, um, uh, 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 uh big love. She played Bull Pullman's mom in big love. Oh, who am I thinking of? Who is the, um, anyway, it doesn't matter. What the hell? Uh, I'm looking on the IMDb page. Who's the girl she was in? Um, uh, I can't find it. Grace. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sarah Palmer. Yeah, Sarah Palmer's Wait, played. And she's fucking awesome in this. Like the mm-hmm. scene where she calls um, Laura's dad at the at the at the hotel and then the sheriff shows up and she's piecing everything together over the phone and then drops the phone and screams also an incredible like housewife smoker playing the desperate sad house smoking housewife she's incredible <laughs> she makes an art of that gesture yeah that is so funny i thought that was someone else um but yeah she's fantastic she's great and i think Kyle mclaughlin is incredible in this show comes in finds his whole career like the character that he it, I, I think this is like this is how i see him as oh. one of those roles you know? and he does this confusing thing where he's a very handsome leading man but a total weirdo at the same time but he walks the fine line that he never ever loses his charm or sex appeal playing this part you know what i mean mm-hmm. and part of it is mm-hmm. he just looks so damn good in a suit um but he he comes in fully baked as a character and i mean it's incredible he's so good in the show and watching the show i was like why isn't kyle mclaughlin a bigger fucking star than he is he's great he's a pretty big star i mean i guess to those that care but yeah i guess he's not like a tom cruise or something but yeah you know i think it may be because he was a little weird but like Ugh, I don't know. He's just, I mean, he's in a ton of shit and he's great, but like, I don't know. He should just be a bigger star as far as I'm concerned. But you see like the early, you see in Twin Peaks, like the mayor that he plays in Portlandia. You know what I mean? You're like, exactly, oh yeah. yeah, you can see it already there early. And he's like 33, 34 when he's shooting this pilot. Like he's a, 
he's so good. Um, Bryce, did we lose you down a rabbit Google rabbit hole? Where are you? No, yeah, no, I did. I did Google rabbit hole. I was thinking that uh, Palmer's mom was Ellen Burstyn, but uh, uh, oh yes, that's that's a that's an acceptable mistake to make. Yeah, but, no, but, but Grace Zabriskie, yeah. I God, how did I? Yeah, she was fantastic. But yeah, Kyle McLaughlin. How do you, how do you say McLaughlin? McLaughlin, yes, was wonderful. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Very good. Um, the scene in the autopsy when he finds the letter under, first of all, that that shot of the tweezers going into the fingernail and lingering a little bit longer and going a little deeper than you're expecting to is really hard for me to watch still after watching it mm. five times. I always pull my eyes away from that moment. <laughs> mm. Such a good little gross moment. Um, but the electricity in the autopsy scene that's flickering that was an accident on set. They couldn't get the the fluorescent light to stop. Flipping. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> and David Lynch was like, "Keep it." And well, that that becomes a motif. This flickering electricity becomes a motif in in the show. And it was one of those things where I went back after watching. I was like, "Oh my god, it's right here in the autopsy scene." And it was so cool to learn that that was an accident. There's another accident that happens in that scene where he asks the mortician to leave he and, Sher- uh, and Sheriff Truman alone. And and uh, McLaughlin's line is like, could you leave us alone, please? And the actor didn't hear what he said for some reason. And mm. he thought Kyle McLaughlin was asking what his name was. And so he responds with Jim. He says, Jim, my name basically is Jim. And then everyone does this sort of like hiccup of like, what the fuck? And then Kyle McLaughlin just says, could you please leave us alone? And the guy goes, oh, sure, and walks out. And I guess oh, that way. was a mistake that that he kept as well. Kept oh, it in God. the final cut. Hmm. Oh, perfect. That's like classic David Lynch there. He's like, this is the correct way the scene's supposed to have gone. Like, <laughs> yeah, this, keeping those weird little accidents. It's such a great reminder that, like, you know, when you're filming something, spontaneity, even as an accident, can, can be really good, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I also love Cooper's delivery of Diane. I'm holding a, in my hands a small box of chocolate bunnies. <laughs> and that's mm. like the best cut to a commercial break that I think <laughs> now, I've ever seen. Do you, you guys know, do we ever find out who Diane is? Do we have I'm any not idea? Gonna, I'm not going to okay. tell you. I'm gotcha. not going to. Okay. What do you think? I want to know I, what you think. I, I don't know, like a perf- personal secretary that transcribes his. Reg- but then it's he's transcribing everything. So. What secretary would do that? So I don't know. I'm a little. I have questions about this Diane character. There, I will say this: there's a theory that comes along early in season one that Diane is the tape recorder. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the, there's that, but um, I I think that I think we'll just leave it at that for now. Um. I always uh, just pictured when I was watching it the first time that Diane is someone who works at the bureau. Yes, you know, that's like back. Yes, like, he's, like getting the field notes of his investigation. Yes, know? it's my assumption that he's taking all these notes and then mailing the cassettes back to headquarters, and then she's copying down exactly all the field notes, like Riley said. Um, I love the scene where Audrey interrupts the Norwegians. And the Norwegian says, is there something wrong, sad, pretty girl? (laughs) (laughs) Audrey and her... She's just stirring the pot right right from the jump. You know, she's... Yes. I love that character. I do, too. 
I really do. Like, sort of sultry, uh, bad, but very at, at, at her core, very innocent and sweet. But she like acts out as this kind of like bad girl, like you know, just I don't know. She's just so great, and like the performance is amazing. And it's uh, yeah, um, perfect sad pretty girl. Uh, who do you like? Who do you have more of a crush on in, at this point, uh, Bryce, Audrey or Shelley? Oh my God! Uh, let's see. Which Shelley's Machik. Uh, huh, what's that? Machin Amik, who's the um, the waitress at the diner. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go her. She's pretty hot. Um, I see and, you as I see you going the more that way. Yeah, yeah. but I'm drawn to that sense. Laurel Laura Palmer for some reason. I like. Okay, that. how about? How about this? Yeah, is and that we'll make... creepy that I've only seen as a dead person in the pilot? I'm like, I really well, like that dead chick. No, uh, but I think <laughs> I would not be surprised if like That's that cool. launched a we- a few weird fetishes for people in the 90s. <laughs> you know oh, what no. I mean? <laughs> I think it's intentionally like pretty and creepy at the same time. You know yeah, what I mean? That's that's kind of what I was thinking about, you know, was like how they dress her up as this sort of like pretty bride or this pretty corpse instead of like this, you know, mutilated horror or something, you know, mm. um, fuck, Mary kill Laura Palmer, uh, Audrey Horn <laughs> or Shelly. Well, I mean, just to, to acknowledge that we're three middle-aged men talking about characters who are supposed to be high school. Uh, acknowledged, <laughs> but also they're played by actresses well into their late 20s, I feel like. So. True, that's true. Red yeah. flag, red flag. <laughs> so by LA standards, we are in the clear. No, also, I was 11 when this show came out, so, <laughs> oh, so they're okay. much older than us in real life. Right. Uh, FMK. Oh, right. I'd someone else go first. I don't want to. Okay, I'm gonna f the uh, the waitress. I'm gonna uh, marry the other one and and I'd kill Laura Palmer because she's already the other there. one. I think I'm with you. I think I would. I, I think that uh, marry Audrey, f Shelley, kill Laura Palmer. Great. So, yeah, that's a unanimous unanimous uh, consensus. All right. Well, let's make it uh, equal here. Agent Cooper, James Hurley, the motorcycle guy, or Sheriff Truman. Oh. <laughs> oh well, you, you definitely f jam uh, the motorcycle yeah, motorcycle yeah, boy. Yeah, you marry Agent Cooper, obviously. Yeah, and uh, sorry, sorry, Truman, you just it's a tough break. Yeah, get rid of him. I, I would agree with Riley. That all makes sense. That all vibes with me. I might mm-hmm. actually f Sheriff Truman just because I do think he's a nice guy. <laughs> like Kill pity, James and definitely marry Agent fuck, Cooper. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. No, but you're a nice guy. I just if he's good nice enough guy, for Josie though. Packard, he's good enough for me. That's a good oh, point. Boy. Um, all right, we're at, we're getting close to the end here, uh, clearly. But uh there's one a couple other shots that I want to talk about. And and I, I I missed it this time in the pilot. I think it's in the pilot, but there's a character played by Frank Silva, who's the long-haired uh guy you get a couple flashes of in the pilot. Mm, right. And in he was a crew member on set and he got into the series because they were moving furniture, shooting something in Laura's bedroom. And one of the guys was like, careful, Frank, you're going to, you're going to get yourself trapped behind the dresser. If you, cause he was like moving furniture around, he kind of painted himself into the corner with furniture. And David Lynch liked this idea of a man being trapped by furniture. So he took these shots of Frank Silva bent down at the foot of Laura Palmer's bed, looking through the rungs of the bed. 
Mm, that's wild. And then that's funny. that shot becomes a vision that Sarah Palmer sees that frightens her. Right. And then later she's like, who's upstairs? Who's upstairs? And they're like, it's just the FBI men. And she's like, oh, I could tell it wasn't her. But it gives a sense of foreboding that there's another presence in the house. Mm-hmm. And then there's another shot at the very end, which I didn't notice until I watched it last month, where Sarah Palmer wakes up on the couch, scared of something. And you can see a reflection in the mirror over her shoulder of Frank Silva, the same crew member. There's a reflection of him in the mirror that's in two quick shots. So right. it's one of those things that your subconscious catches on to and makes it really eerie, but like you don't necessarily notice the first time. Bryce, did you notice that? No, I didn't. No. And that was another mistake that David Lynch was like, keep it. Let's keep it in there. And so this s- storyline that will emerge from those accidents is really fun to see play out. And it basically wasn't in the script originally. That's cool. That's, I mean, that's like, have you guys read David Lynch's? It's like this little book on creativity. It's very, it's a very small, like little, little book, but like he, he talks a lot about, about like this, like you allowing your subconscious to engage sort of with your conscious plan. And I, I think that's like, uh, you know, that's like all these examples of this are exactly what he's doing here. He's he's letting the story develop from a subconscious angle as well and like creating these characters. Well, this well, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to say something without saying something. But yes, yeah, it's like but it's just this is very like classically his uh, as he describes, at least uh, his creative approach. Um, and I, I I think it's it's so cool. And it it. Um, it's such a useful framework for uh, creativity, for writing or filmmaking or music making or whatever. It's just like allowing these, they're not necessarily mistakes. They're like subconscious tangents. It's like this other part of the work that's sort of making itself known. And you have to put yourself in a headspace to to recognize that when it happens. And getting your attention, right? Like, hey, look mm-hmm. at me. Look at me. I'm not where I'm supposed right. to be, you know? Right. Yeah. You can't. So, yeah. I think that's part of what makes this show so interesting yeah. is that he allowed these, these moments to happen and, and be in the final work. Hmm. I, I agree. All right, Bryce. Yeah. First, I want your final thoughts on the pilot. And then I want to know who you think killed Laura Palmer. Well, I, I love the pilot. Like I said, you know, there's not a lot of like weird sort of esoteric or occult stuff you know, right in your face at the start, but uh, I know it's coming. So I'm, I'm, I've got my seatbelt ready. That being said, uh, yeah, dude, I, I dug it, man. I did kept my attention all the way through. So I I'm in it. I'm in it to win it, man. Great. I love it. So who do you think killed Laura Palmer? If you had a guess based on the pilot, who's, who's your big suspect? I wouldn't render a guess based on the pilot. I think, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't have anybody. I, when I finished watching it, I wasn't like, I know who did it. You know, I, I was right. kind of sort of left with going, I don't think it's any of these people. You know what okay. I mean? That's good. Maybe, That's a guess. Maybe, maybe the guy who's the guy in the in the diesel truck. Uh, the, Leo. The, 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 wait, the waitress's dad. Shelly's uh, husband. No, Shelly's husband. Leo. Shelly's husband. Leo. Yes. He's, yeah. He's a little suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. So uh, th- those are both guesses that are very fair and good guesses. Great. Great. It could be right, by the way. It might be okay, right. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not, but we're not going to say until we get there. We should probably have, you know, we'll do these in chunks, probably over on the other side, like do it in groups. 
But we should probably like for some of the there's like a couple there's like coming down the line, there are going to be some like real event episodes that maybe we'll just hold special, you know, to talk about in one episode, you know. Cool. Um, so I'll try to like navigate that as we go. And I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. This is obviously just the tip of the iceberg. Like Bryce said, you know, not a lot of the occult in this first episode. We're just setting the stage for the mystery to come, but like, we're going to get there. Episodes one and two really start to take us there and really start to make you go, Oh, this is what Michael's saying by like John Keel and injured cold and all this stuff. Um, so stay with us and join us on the other side. We're not going to put these out on a regular schedule. We're going to kind of do this as we can. Um, obviously, we've got a Google me- Momentum going. Bryce, if you want to stay on it, we can stay on it. I'm already cool. halfway through season two again. So um, I'll kind of be scouting down the road as well as okay. we watch. Nice. Um, all right, guys. Well, Riley, did you have any final thoughts on the pilot? I mean, I'm just excited to be going back into this world one more time. It's been a, It's been a few years and... I don't know. Twin Peaks for me is like this comforting, nostalgic. It's like a warm slice of pie. Yeah. And a damn Perfect. fine <laughs> cup of coffee. Perfect. Well, that's appropriate. You know? Yeah. Yeah. How many? Yeah. God, I wanted to eat so many. I really crave donuts while I was watching this as well. I always make coffee while I'm watching it. It's <laughs> like, a good well, call. I, I have a double R uh, diner mug um, that my buddy got me. Dave got me for Christmas. So I appreciate that. Solid Drinking gift. out yeah, of it just... this morning. I'm happy to go back into it. It's fun to discuss. It's fun to watch it with friends and it's fun to watch it with someone who hasn't seen it yet. So it's, uh, it's yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm quite pleased. Quite Great. pleased. Love it. You know, I'm happy. Um, all right. Any plugs before <laughs> we say goodnight? I mean, Spender of Classic Soundtracks Volume 3. You guys already know that by now, but, you know, give it a stream, order a record. It's the best way to support a band is to actually buy a physical copy of an album. If you want, I don't know. People have been sending me pictures of their copies and I'm getting a lot of great feedback. So thank you all that have uh, that have purchased the record and are enjoying it. And uh, check out all the music videos, too. Yeah, and I would say go to our merch shop. Get those new merch, uh, whether yes. it's a T-shirt, hoodie, or a coffee mug or a sticker. Check out our merch. Uh, some killer stuff over there. Uh, get it for yourself and your loved ones. I'm definitely getting those new band tees. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. BCC records, uh, all mm-hmm. your favorite fictional bands in uh, one convenient place. Um, you guys <laughs> know this by now, probably I've made you listen to Bryce's episode, but check out and please follow slate your name. My other podcast where I talk to actors about the ups and down to the entertainment industry that's available wherever you get podcasts and comes out every Tuesday. So you can listen to that on Tuesday and then listen to BCC on Wednesday. All right, everybody. Uh, Until next time, good night. And go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club.
Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. <laughs> 